0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Amen, so good. Jonah, what a man. Jonah, what a name. Jonah, what a story. Jonah, come on. I'm in a silly mood this morning, guys. Jonah is great. I don't know if you know this, but Jonah is only four chapters long, right? It's coinciding with the four-week series that we're doing. Math, I know, right? Hey, it's a new revelation for you. Hey, come on. First week, we'll go first chapter. Second week, second chapter. This week, we'll get chapter three. And next week, we'll look at chapter four. But it's only four chapters long. But I don't know if you know this, right? Jonah only has 47 verses in the entire book. The entire book, right? So if you like quick reading, go check out Jonah after this, all right? It's going to be great. But not only that, like Jonah chapter 3 only has 10 verses. They were like, Dan, we're going to get you to preach. and We're going to get you to preach on 10 verses. And I was like, there's so much content in there. Yay. Like, it's going to be great. <laughs> it it's really is an amazing book, but I find it so interesting and so amazing that the Bible can communicate so much and so little. And isn't it interesting that how we always seek to overcomplicate things, but God always seeks to simplify things for us and it makes it easier. And so this morning, we're looking at chapter 3 and we're looking at how to run with God. And so because it's only 10 verses long, here's what we're going to do. We're in church. And so we're going to read a whole chapter this morning. uh, Jonah chapter 3, which is 10 verses long. All right. Does that sound good? Will be excited to read Jonah chapter three. All right, let's have it up on the screen. Uh, if you can't see the screen, uh, one, get glasses. Two, pull it up on your phone um, because you know you should really be able to read that. So, it'd be awesome. But Jonah chapter three verse one uh, says this. Now, just a bit of context, let's remember that Jonah chapter 1, God gives a message to Jonah. Uh, he goes, hey, go to the city of Nineveh. Tell them that I'm going to destroy their city. What a great message to deliver to someone. Am I right? So um, who's feeling encouraged after that? I know I am. So, uh, so he, God goes, hey, Jonah, go to the city of Nineveh and deliver this message. And uh, so Jonah goes, yeah, cool. Nope. And uh, he goes the other way. So, um, like, Nineveh was actually, like, about 800 kilometers from where Jonah was, uh, but he decides to go to Tarshish, which was 3,800 kilometers away from where he was. Isn't it how creative, It's interesting how creative we can be with disobeying God sometimes, but I'm just going to throw that out there. I know I was creative when I was growing up. Uh, whenever my parents wanted, to me, wanted me to do something, I would do everything but the thing they asked me to do. Are there any parents out there know what I'm talking about? Like, you asked them to clean the room and all of a sudden the kitchen is tidy, and you're like, that's great, but that's not what I asked you to do like come on like you're being really creative with it you're like but mom i just want to bless you and it's like yeah that's all well and good but you still haven't cleaned your room um in fact when it came to exam i shared this with the youth when it came to exam times for me uh it's crazy how much i read my bible and how much i worship jesus in exam times because it was like my parents like dan you gotta go study i was like yeah i'll go study the word of god um I was like my parents can't tell me off for studying the word of God. I mean, like, come on, like you can't I'd be like, but it's for Jesus, mom and dad. It's like it's the answer to everything. There's a little side note, but we see Jonah go to Tarshish, he's on his way, and then God sends a storm uh, to disrupt him, because who knows, God will not allow you just to live in uh, in disobedience, and he will not allow you just to live in comfort, because he actually wants you to be effective in your life, and so he'll actually let things come into your life to grab your attention when we're not listening to him, and when we're disobeying him, and so we see the storm comes, and it's like, what are going on, like, this is a crazy storm, why is this happening, and they're freaking out, and they ask Jonah, Jonah's like, I don't know, he definitely knows, by the way, um, he's like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. Like I mean, the storm, wind—you know, boats. You know, I don't know. Um, and so we got this whole process and then really eventually it's like coming to the point where Jonah's like, yeah, no, it's because I'm on the run from God. And the sailors are like, thanks for telling us, man. Appreciate that. Um, And then, uh, isn't it also interesting, a little another side note, that uh, you can maybe be going through a storm in your life, not based on what you've done, but because of who you have on your boat. Um, And some of us actually need to learn to throw people off the boat uh, to make sure that uh, we don't face that storm that we don't need to face. So what do you have in your life that you actually need to throw off the boat, that you're keeping on the boat, that God doesn't want you to keep on the boat. Um, That's a little side note. You're welcome. Um, Anyways, uh, (laughs) it's going to be a fun morning, guys. I'm feeling good. But we see Jonah, uh, he he, he goes, hey, throw me overboard. Also, Jonah's a bit of a dramatic kid. You know what I'm saying? Like God goes, hey, go here. He's like, we're in 3,000 directions, 3,000 kilometers that way. And then he's like, yeah, throw me overboard. And I'm like, man, Jonah, you need to calm down a little bit, first of all. Like, it's a dramatic dude. But they throw Jonah overboard, and then God sends a great fish and swallows him up. And Jonah spends three days and three nights in the belly of this fish. And uh, in that belly, he basically repents to God and and aligns himself again with God, which is amazing. And we see an incredible restoration take place in uh, chapter uh, pardon me, chapter 2 in his prayers. And then we pick it up right as like the fishes vomited Jonah out onto the beach. Like that's where we're about to pick up. So Jonah chapter 3 verse 1 says this. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. That's pretty amazing. Like for walk, one side to the other city, three days. Wow, big city. On that day, uh, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days uh, from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Man, Jonah was an uplifting guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like so much grace in that message. I just feel so encouraged off the back of it. It's awesome will be destroyed. Uh, The people of Nineveh believed God's message and from the greatest to the least they declared a fast and put on burlap, otherwise known as sackcloth, uh, to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne. Another side note, whenever God speaks, we actually should step down from our throne and let him sit on it. Um, But he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles had sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from their herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change His mind and hold back His fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Man, it's so crazy. In chapter 1, we see that Jonah receives a word from God but then chooses to rebel. He receives and then he rebels. Jonah chapter 2, he reconciles himself through repentance with God. So he receives the word, he rebels, he reconciles and then through repentance. And then in this chapter, what we're looking at is Jonah's response off the back of his restoration with God. We're looking at Jonah's response off the restoration that he's had with God. And so what we see is a man who is called to run with God, go from running away, running to, and choosing in a moment to respond a certain way to actually run with God. And you know the crazy thing about that is that me and you are exactly like Jonah, you may be going, Dan, I've never spent three days in a giant fish. And I'll be like, "Me, yeah, me too. <laughs> Funny that. Hey, if you have, come see me afterwards. I actually love to hear about it. But we're just like Jonah. We are, just, we are called to run with God. We are actually called not to run away and not just to run to, but we're actually called to run with God. So we are at our most effective when we're running step by step with Him. I'll tell you what, there is 100% a moment where we need to turn and we need to run to God. But we are at what God designed us to when we're running step by step with Him. In Genesis, it talked about how God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of day. Walked with them in sync, in line. Come on, we are designed to do journey with God on a regular basis. That's what we're designed to do. In fact, in the Bible, it says all throughout it that we're designed to run our race and run it with God. In fact, in Hebrews 12, verse 1, we can have it up on the screen. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. In other words, that God has a purpose for us and He set a race for us, right? He said, hey, this is a race worth running and I want you to run it. So he says that in Hebrews 12 verse 1. But then in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6, he says, uh, God says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. In other words, God is going, hey, I've given you a purpose to run in, but I'm not going to make you run it alone. I'm going to be right there with you. I'm never going to fail you and I'm never going to abandon you. Some translations say he'll never leave you or forsake you. Come on, God is with us. We are designed to do life with God. In order to be effective messengers, in order to be effective people, we actually have to make sure that we're running with God on a regular basis. And so this morning I want to look at a couple of things that Jonah did or that Jonah had in his life that really transitioned and transformed him from a man running to and from God to a man running with God. Does that sound good? Awesome. I love it. So good. So we're going to look at that. The first thing is this, is that Jonah, in order to be a man running with God, he realized that he was a messenger. And the messenger needs a message. So the first thing Jonah had is that he actually received a message. See, we are all called to carry a message to somewhere. Jonah 3 verse 1 to 2 says this, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. Deliver the message I've given you. And all for us to run with God, we need to realize that, first of all, that we are a messenger, but that we have a message to carry. Here's the deal. You can't be a messenger without a message. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, it's the whole point of a messenger is to have a message. It's like, hey, what do you do? I'm a messenger. Ah, cool. What's your message? I don't know. Like, defeats the whole purpose of being a messenger. We are all called to be a messenger, which means that we have all received a message. And you know what that message is? That message is Jesus. See, I'll tell you what, each and every single one of us are actually called to impact the world around us, which means when we go to work, when we go to uni, when we uh, go to the sporting club, when we pick up our kids from school, wherever we find ourselves, I want to ask you, what message are we carrying? When people interact with us, what message do they receive? What message are they hearing? Are they hearing one of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, Hope, faith. Are they hearing one of that? Or are they hearing one of brokenness, hurting, bitterness, gossip? What are they hearing? When people interact with you, what message are we carrying? Because God has called us to run with Him. In order to be effective, I'll tell you what, we got to make sure we're we're carrying the message that God has given us. And that message is Jesus. We're called to carry a message of grace, faith, hope, love, and restoration. When people look at you, what message do they see? What message are we carrying? I think sometimes we can treat God a little bit like we do text messages. Now, I'm going to get a little bit real in this place. Um, and I hope you guys ge- can get real with me. But um, there's sometimes some people send me text messages and I like to pretend I haven't seen them. Don't laugh at me. You do it too. You're like, damn, damn we never do that. <laughs> Yeah, some of you leave your red receipts on so the other person can see that you've read it and still haven't responded. That's a rookie error. I'm just going to throw that out there. But sometimes I read messages and I find myself not wanting to respond to them. And then as a result, I end up not actually remembering the information or being able to enter into a conversation. And, you know, sometimes it can go actually really, really bad. And I feel like we can treat God like that sometimes. He's actually given us a message, but we kind of go, God, I don't really want to like read that right now. So like, I'm just going to leave you on red. We can uh, treat it like that. Like God tells us to be a light to the world, right? In every moment that we have to shine His light wherever we go, we're like, that's all cool, God. But right now, I really need to focus on this. So that's a great message, just not for me right here, right now. You know, like I'll I'll read that when I'm ready to read it. That was never meant to know. We're meant to carry the message wherever we go. Whenever God speaks, we are meant to carry that message wherever we go. We are the deliverer of that message to people. The Bible says that when Jesus uh, was ascending into heaven, he says, go into all the world and make disciples. In other words, go into the world and carry my message and teach others my message as well. That is what he's saying. Come on. We're called to be messengers. We carry a message. You may feel like you don't. I tell you what, you do carry a message in you. My question is, what message are you carrying though? Because all of us are carrying a message, but what are we communicating? What message are we carrying? And if you don't know who Jesus is, I want to tell you, you can actually know Him. Because He is a God who loves you. He is a God who cares for you. He is a God who saw you in the deepest and darkest moment and saw you enough and loved you enough that He would pay a price for you so that you could carry a message of love, grace, truth, hope, and righteousness despite what your life has looked like. That is how good our God is. We are called to carry a message. He has given us a message. says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23, this is Paul talking, he says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. See, well, the revelation you receive on a Sunday or in connect group or wherever you find yourself isn't just for you. The revelation you receive isn't just for you. I think that sometimes we can fall into a trap of becoming so insular that we forget that God gives us things to pass on to other people. He has given us grace, freedom, and truth, not for us to keep them, but to pass on to other people. It is the message that he has given us that we are called to carry each and every single day. Are we with me? Come on, God has given us a message. Jonah received the message and so have we. But I'll tell you what, Jonah, when he was running with God and being an effective messenger, he didn't just receive a message, he also acted in obedience. Because it's not enough just to receive a message, you've got to do something about it as well. He acted in obedience. Jonah 3 verse 3 says this, This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. Have you ever thought about the fact the only difference between uh, the first time God spoke to Jonah and the second time God spoke to Jonah was Jonah's response? The only difference. God did not change what he said. He still said the exact same thing. He still said, told him, go to this place. He still said, say this. Go with me. The only thing that changed was Jonah's obedience. And I think sometimes we get the message of God, but we're not really that quick to obey the message of God. It went real quiet all of a sudden. It's like you talk about obedience and it's like, everyone's like, ooh, you should listen to that. No. Come on. We are called not only to receive a message of God, we're called to obey God. My parents used to say, uh, obedience is immediately, completely, and with a smile. I hated that saying. Um, it's stupid. No. <laughs> I thought it was uh, because they would be like, Dan, tidy your room. But I would make like, you know, you know, when you're in that mindset where you make it a bit, you like, you like to make people know when you're not happy. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, everything is like way more exaggerated. So every close of the door is like way more forceful than it needs to be. Or like, you know, you're like, you know, it's folding up your clothes, but it's like, <laughs> you know, like, you just like making weird sounds, you know, like, That was me growing up. uh, Luckily, my parents had an amazing amount of grace, but they always used to say, Dan, obedience is completely, when you do it, completely, make sure you do the whole thing, not just half the job. Don't just do half the job God asks you to do and claim that's obedience because it's not. Immediately, completely, and with a smile. In other words, what they were talking about is the attitude which you do it. I find it interesting that I think that sometimes... We can uh, forget that God's actually asking us to obey, but He's asking us to obey immediately, completely, and with a smile. I think the longer we leave the message God has given us and the obedience, like up to a decision, the longer we leave that choice, the more likely it is that we're not going to do it. Right? When when you when you like, okay, I'm going to be real. Right? I have a lot of weeds in my front garden. Right? I have a lot of weeds. Like, if you come to my house, you'll think they're bushes. They're not. They're weeds. and it's funny because the longer I leave it the less like it is that I want to do it I like it. The longer I leave it, I go, man, I really don't want to do that anymore. And so I go, no, I'll get it next time. I get no. But reality is, is that for me, the longer I leave it, the less likely I want to do it becomes bigger and bigger. And I think that whenever God asks us to do something, whenever He asks you to pray for that person in your workplace, or make a meal for them, or invite them to connect group, or invite them to church, whatever it is He's placing in your heart, the longer we leave it, the less likely we are to obey it. It's in our nature. Come on, let's be a church, let's be a people, let's be a community that obeys God quickly, immediately. When we hear that, it takes five seconds of courage for us to activate, but then to outwork in that. Come on, let's obey immediately. Let's not obey immediately, let's obey completely as well. Come on, let's not just do a half job and say it's done. No, no, let's see it through. When you invite your friend to church, I want to tell you, hey, that's awesome that you invited them, but be the person that helps disciple them as well. Don't just be like, oh, well, that's my connect group is. No, you be that person. Come on. God has called you to disciple the world. He's called you to make disciples. That's what the Bible says. Come on. We're called for so much more. Not only completely, but with a smile. Make sure your attitude matches up with the Word of God. Make sure your attitude matches up. Because I tell you what, if you go up to someone, you're like, hey, I just want to let you know that like Jesus loves you. And like, you know. Uh, he died for you and whatever, and like you don't have to, like, you know, uh, live in sin anymore, but he can heal you. But like, it's, it's like, whatever, like, you know, I just wanted to let you know, and like, yeah, cool, see you later. Do you really think that's the heart of Jesus in that moment? The heart of Jesus doesn't go, well, oh, I'm gonna do this as quickly as possible. And the heart of Jesus goes, no, I gave everything for people. In other words, that when you operate, wherever you're operating, come on, let's make sure that we're operating with the heart of Jesus and the right attitude, because obedience isn't just doing it and doing it completely. It's how we do it as well. It's how you approach it. Come on, let's. when you have that person in your workplace that's struggling, hey, have you said to them, hey, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Because I'll tell you what, our Jesus is real and He's a real healer. Which means that the, the the limit and the ceiling that he can do is not based on him; it's actually based on us. Which means that our obedience is the thing that's going to unlock what God can do in and through our lives. In fact, if you want to go deep in your relationship with Jesus, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus' love language is actually obedience. I don't know if you I don't know if you know what I mean by love languages, but basically. Uh, There's this whole uh, study about love languages and how we all have different ways that we uh, accept love slash give love as well and different ways it means uh, a lot to us. So for me, I've been married two and a half years uh, to our incredible kids pastor now. Uh, She's awesome. She's doing a great job. So make sure you give the kids team a high five uh, when you go pick up your kids today. But um, for me, uh, like... My biggest one is quality time, right? And so I love quality time. If you spend quality time with me, it's great. It doesn't have to be quantity, but if you spend good, solid time with me, that's how I really appreciate it. Hers is words of affirmation, right? And so when we were dating, I used to write her letters all the time telling her amazing words, how God's anointed her and has called her because it meant a lot for her and it communicated my love in a way that she understood it. In a way that she understood, not how I understood it, how she understood it, because I needed to cross over because I wanted to communicate to her, not communicate to me. And so basically what I'm telling you is I was a massive, awesome romantic uh, when we were dating and still am. And so, you know, uh, girls, if, they, if your guy is not writing your letters, come to me, I'll sort them out uh, and then you'll get some letters from there on. Now. <laughs> but God's love language is actually obedience. It actually says it in the Bible as well. You're like, damn, what is going on? This is mind blowing. It says it right here in John 14, verse 15. It says this If this is Jesus talking, we'll have it up on the screen. If you love me, obey my commands. Let's go real in here for a second. Come on, this is Jesus' love language. The way we communicate love to Jesus isn't by seeing him praise, that's praise. Seeing worship and praise, that's worship and praise. The way we communicate love to Jesus and how thankful we are and the fact that the way we build our relationship with Him with love is by actually obeying His commands. If you love me, you will obey my commands. Come on church, let's not be the Christians that people accuse of being hypocritical and we actually don't have any leg to stand on because we are. Let's be the Christians that go. No, no, we obey the commands of Jesus. Come on, we act in love wherever we go. Come on, we put others first. Come on, we dine with people and we say, "Hey, Jesus loves you." Come on, we pray for people in the morning and in the night. Come on, we don't. We're not just in this for us. We're actually in it for people. Come on, if Jesus says, "If you love me, obey my commands," I think sometimes there's a there's a new Hillsong uh, album out. Sorry, uh, called Awake great album. It's awesome. I love it. You should listen to it. There's a song in there called Come Alive. And one of the sentences in the song called Come Alive is, uh, are you waiting for heaven or is heaven waiting for you? Because the Holy Spirit is ready in this room. See, I think think sometimes we look at God and we're like, God, we just want you to do something. He's like, I just want you to do something. He's like, because as soon as you do it, I can anoint it and I can bring my grace and my truth and my supernatural power to it. And then it becomes effective. Isn't it interesting how every single healing in the Bible required something from the person getting healed? (laughs) Have you ever thought about that? It's like Jesus said to the man, get up and walk. Like he doesn't know how to walk. Just going to throw that out there. Like he actually doesn't know how to walk. He's been lame. He doesn't know how to stand up and walk. And yet through his faith of actually actioning something, he stands up and he's healed. There's a story in the Bible about these 10 lepers that come to Jesus. And uh, Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. And it says, as they went, they were healed. In other words, as they walked, as they did something, God was able to do something. See, I think sometimes we limit for what God can actually do because we're not willing to step out and act in obedience for what He's actually asked us to do. Come on, He's called us to be a light to the world. In your workplace, not only what message are you carrying, are you obeying the Holy Spirit's inclinations and the drops He puts on you? When you hear that voice that goes, hey, you need to invite so-and-so to church. Hey, you need to connect with so-and-so. Hey, and you may go, well, I don't connect well with them naturally. And God goes, I don't care. You need to learn to love them because I learned to love people enough to come down from heaven and die on the cross so that you could be in relationship with me. Come on. We are called to obey His commands, yeah? It's not optional. Come on. Let's get real. Let's get real. Let's read the Word of God and not just go, well, that's a great story. No, let's actually pull out what's actually inside of it. Does that sound good? I'm surprised I'm not sweating way more. I'm just going to throw that out there. For those who know, I'm a very sweaty lad. and When I get moving around a lot, it just gets really bad, so... It's actually the church that should buy like three extra sweat towels just for me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's not true, or is it? Lee's nodding your head. Pray for me. No, but number one, Jonah received a message. Number two, he acted in obedience. But number three, as the band comes up, this is a really cool one. What made him effective? What made him a man that was running with God is that he received a second chance. He received a second chance. This whole story of Jonah is fascinating to me. It's fascinating. Jonah 3 verse 1 says this. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a what? Second time. So you need to understand that God is the God of the second chance. God is the God of the second chance. Not only did Jonah receive a second chance, though, but isn't it interesting how God used a man who had a second chance to bring a second chance to a great city? And as you begin to look at this, you begin to go, well, man, this sounds really crazy. I mean, like, the, the message Jonah, when it preached was in 40 days from now, you, you guys are gone, destroyed. Like it wasn't even really a hopeful preach. It was more like a warning, you know what I'm saying? Like it was more like a, hey, pack your things up, maybe try and get out of the city, you know, like you're 40 days and it takes three days to get across. So you should be good, you know, like. And yet their response of repentance brings a second chance for the city. And we see that God does not destroy it. It says it in Jonah 3 verse 10. It says, when God saw they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil, ways he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened so this story is not about a fish it's actually all about the second chance you know the hero of the story isn't actually jonah the hero of the story is jesus you may be going well dan that's just crazy we haven't heard Jesus' name at all bring up in this. In fact, you know, this is long before He was even born. And I'm like, yep, you're correct. But I want you, in Luke 24, verse 27, if we can get that up on the screen, I want you to have a look at this for a second. And beginning, this is Jesus talking with people, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets... Right, now what you need to understand, what he's mentioning is that all the books that Moses has written, which is otherwise known as the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, right? First five books that we see, that's the Torah that they're known as. Those are all the books that Moses has written, which means that beginning with Moses and all the prophets. Now I don't know if you remember what Ash started his message with last week, but he, he reminded us all that the book of Jonah is what we call a minor prophet, not because of his insignific- insignificance, but because of the size of the book. In other words, he's saying, hey, in the beginning, all throughout the Old Testament, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. In other words, the entire Bible points to Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're in the New or the Old Testament, the entire Bible is designed to point to Jesus. Isn't it interesting that Jonah Spent three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. Do you know who else spent three days and three nights in the belly of the earth? Jesus. And after he spent in that time, he's resurrected with a second chance. In other words, hey, when Jesus resurrected from that grave, he gave us all a second chance. But here's the thing, that second chance isn't for us. It's actually for us to pass on to others, just like Jonah did. He was operating in his second chance, but he didn't just stay there. He went to Nineveh, and as a result, God used his second chance to bring their second chance. God is the God of second chances. You may be going, well, Dan, that's all well and good, but I've made more than one mistake in my life. I'll go, hey, I'm right there with you. First of all, but second of all, so did Jonah. Isn't it interesting? (laughs) We can go to, well, Jonah just had one correction and one, you know, he just had a second chance. It was great. God spoke to him a second time. It was awesome. That is true. Absolutely. But here's the deal. Jonah had many chances. When God first spoke to him, he had a chance right there to obey him. When he walked down to that harbor to get on a boat, he had a chance which boat he was going to get onto. When he got on to the one of Tarshish, he had, he had to pay for it. He had a chance not to pay for it, but he actually had to pay a cost that was there. Isn't it interesting that when you disobey God, you'll always pay a higher cost than what he was ever intending you to pay, but he had a chance not to pay that. And then he jumps on the boat. He had a chance to jump off that boat before it took off from shore. He had a chance when the, uh, when the sailors first came to him and said, do you know why this is happening? He has a chance to be honest with them and go, you know what? I know why, because I'm running from my God. Hey, can we turn this thing around? And let's start to head back to Nineveh. He had so many chances. So Jonah is just like me and you. He doesn't just have a second chance. He's a third, fourth, fifth, probably a millionth chance. So God isn't just the God of second chances. He's the God of all chances. He's the God of every chance. See, Jonah understood something that I didn't understand until later on in my life and When I was younger, I grew up in church, but I always viewed God with this mindset of like my walk with God, my my run with God was like snakes and ladders. Anyone remember that game of snakes and ladders? No, no one. There was not a single hand that went up. Am I, if I imagine, come on, does anyone remember the game of snakes and ladders? Like it's an interactive sermon today, guys. That's like, remember this game of snakes and ladders and it was this whole thing of like when you hit a ladder, you would shoot up and you would skip ahead of some steps. And I had this mindset that when I did good, like God would accelerate me and He would put me in places and He would, you know, uh, really just take me on a quick growth track. And, but then whenever you hit a snake, you have to go to sink all the way back down to often like the bottom line or the beginning. Now I had this mindset that whenever I made a mistake, I would sink all the way back down to the beginning. And I wouldn't be where I was, but rather I'd be right back where I started. In fact, if you want another way, I, I would picture that I was running a race and running with God but every time I tripped I would get disqualified and have to start right back at the beginning. That when I was running when I fell over somehow I would be pulled right back to the start and have to try and work my way back. That's not what Jesus says at all. In fact he says the complete opposite. Jesus actually says my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you in other words when you make a mistake when you trip over you don't have to start back up because God's grace just comes alongside of you and Jesus goes hey you want a hand up let's keep going come on Jesus never disqualifies in fact his love and his blood qualifies us yeah and so when we fall over when we make a mistake when we're in a mess I'll tell you what happens that Jesus reaches down and picks us up and goes hey, come on let's keep going and you go well Dan that sounds, too, that sounds too good to be true well it is too good to be true in a way because our minds can't comprehend it. But even the craziest thing is that we see in the story of Jonah. Very practically as well. I don't know if you thought about this. Spending three days and three nights in a fish, you're gonna stink. Like you're gonna smell bad. Like, I don't know if you've been around teenagers much. We run youth conferences at youth camps. Like, can't just say, I don't know what three-day-old teenager smells like, and it's bad, you know, like And we give them showers and deodorant, but Jonah was in a fish for three days with rotting things that had been eaten. He would have stunk. Not only that, but the stomach acids would have probably chewed away part of his skin and he probably would have been looking like a mess. And then not only that, but then the way God gets him out of the whale is by having the whale throw him up. I don't do well with throw up. I'm just going to put it out there like... If you ever want to see a chain throwing up happen, like put me near some and throw up and I'm like, Ugh, uh, you know, like I start to do those ones. And then like, you know, it's just bad, you know, so. The, the fish throws him up on the beach. He's covered in spew. Spent three days, three nights in a fish. But you know what Jonah understood? Didn't matter how messy he was. It didn't matter what he smelt like. God could use that and turn his mess into a message and all of a sudden God has given us a message again and he's asked us to take that message and act in obedience and then when we make a mistake and we feel like we can't carry that message anymore God's grace comes and says no I've given you another chance come on you have I can turn your mess into a message come on let's take it back to the beginning come on you have been given a message I'm asking you to act in obedience come on when you suffer, no no don't worry about it there's a second chance for you there's another chance. The enemy would love to be able to get in your head and say, no, you, you mess- you're too messed up. You're too far gone. But it's not the case at all. God's designed us to run with Him. And the way He does that is by sending His Son, Jesus, to come and die for our sins so that we can spend each and every single day with Him. Come on, He's given us a purpose. He's given us a calling to run with Him. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.